0: Have you ever heard someone say, there's never a dumb question? Obviously, that was not a coach, preacher, or teacher who said that, right? Because there are some questions that are a little goofy. I was looking this week uh, on the, supposedly some of the dumbest questions ever asked on Twitter. And some of these questions were really pretty dumb. One person literally asked, they said, I ate two whole tangerines an hour ago. What is going to happen to me? And someone responded back, I thought it was funny. They said, as long as you don't eat dirt or drink water for the next 24 hours, you will be fine. Tangerine sprouting inside of you. Another one said, if American football is played in America, why does New England have a team? That falls under the dumb question. And this was my favorite. My favorite was uh, some woman literally asked in... Is there a spell that will work to turn myself or someone else into a mermaid? And so I would just say if you're fishing this summer or skiing and you see a funny-looking fish with a human body, they have found out that spell. Well, this morning, we're going we're gonna to answer three questions that through the years I have been asked and that I have heard many, many times about prayer. We don't have a main text. We've got a lot of scriptures today. But if you want to find John 14, is a good jump off place. John 14. And I want to begin with this. What is praying in Jesus' name all about? What, we end a prayer when we say, Jesus, it's in your name that I pray. What is that all about? I grew up in church. I wasn't like America. I didn't become a Christian until I was in college. But I'd grown up in church. Heard that my whole life. And it never really dawned on me that most people don't even know what that means. 1994, I was pastor near College Station, Texas, and a, and a young lady that was coming to our church, was uh, she lived up north, and she was going to Texas A&M, and she had never been in church much uh, during her life. And she stopped me one day after church, and she said, Chris, why do we pray in Jesus' name? When you guys finish praying, why do you say we pray this in Jesus' name? And it it, it just dawned on me a lot of times we don't know why we do that. I want to give you three reasons. Uh, First of all, we're told to do this. Uh, This is never a bad reason biblically to do something but because you are told to do this. In John chapter 14, verse 13 and 14, it says, "...you can ask for anything in my name, and I'll do it, so that the Son can bring glory to the Father." Verse 14, yes, ask me for anything in my name, and I will do it. John 16, verse 23 and 24. At that time, you won't need to ask me for anything. I tell you the truth, you will ask the Father directly, and he will grant you your request because you use... My name, verse 24, you haven't done this before. Ask using my name, and you will receive, and you will have abundant joy. Okay, first thing, why do we pray in Jesus' name? The Bible tells us to, but I want us to take it a step farther. But before we take it a step farther, I want to say this. This is not a magic wand. This is not, if I say in Jesus' name, then anything I conjure up is is going to happen. Again, in verse 14, yes, ask me for anything in my name. And I will do it. It's not a magic wand. In other words, don't think, well, if I just say this formula, this, I just, you know, chant that, then Jesus is bound to answer me. There's more to it. Let me give you the fundamental thing about praying in Jesus' name. And this is so cool. This is about your intimate relationship with God. When we talk about we're praying in Jesus' name, it, this is about your ultimate and your intimate relationship With Jesus Christ. In John 14, 6, Jesus said, I I am the way and the truth. No man comes to the Father except through me, okay? Like it or love it, this is a really crucial verse. This is a verse that bothers a lot of people. By the way, this is Jesus who said this. Jesus said, if you want to have a relationship with God the Father, if you want to be a Christian, if you want to go to heaven when you die, if you want to know God, you have a relationship with God through me. I am the way, the truth, life. You cannot get to the Father except through me. But when you have a relationship with me, when you have bowed your heart to me, you have contact, you have relationship, you can have intimacy with the Father. Okay? You see the word name here. The word name, let's go to verse 14 when it talks about praying in Jesus' name. What does that mean? I had a guy one time in one of my churches came to me and he quoted that. He said, You ask me for anything in my name and I will do it. And I said, Have you ever read, read verse 15? He said, No. And I said, You, you got to have verse 15 with a verse 14. If you love me, you obey my commandments. It's not a magic wand. It's about a relationship with God. The word name there in the Bible doesn't just mean something you call someone by. It's it's describing their fame and their reputation and their character. To pray in Jesus' name is to pray not just about, well, that's who we call him, Jesus. It's addressing and it's diving into who he is. It's diving into who you are. It's saying, God, because I have a relationship with your son, Jesus Christ, I'm coming to you in his name. I'm coming into the throne room in heaven. I'm coming to storm heaven with confidence because I know your son and your son knows me. And folks, there's no more precious name in heaven than the name of Jesus Christ. There's no name in heaven that rings the bell or that God the Father loves more than Jesus Christ's name. My dad's name was Robert E. Craig. The E stood for nothing. Didn't stand for Eddie or Ed or Edward or Edwin or Eiffel or whatever. It stood for E. Now, here's what's really weird. They called him Jack. I have no idea where that came from. Robert E., well, we'll just call him Jack. I don't know. He grew up in Arkansas, and I don't know if that had anything to do with it or not. (laughs) I'm not making fun of you Arkansas people. That's where all my kinfolk came from there, so. And, but they called him Jack, and and of course, people who knew him, my dad was a college administrator, so for years, I thought his first name was Doctor, because that's all I heard people call him, and then my mom and his family called him Jack. Every now and then I would bump into somebody and they would say, Yeah, I, I know old Bob Craig. And I would just laugh. i go, You're just a poser. Nobody called my dad Bob. But I would run into someone occasionally who would call my dad Jack. My dad's been dead 24 years. Several years ago, a lovely couple, Charles and Lois Foxworth, joined our church. And when they joined our church... Charles sat down with me. He goes, I went to school over at East Texas Baptist University with your dad. And he said, I loved Jack. And when he said that, my ears perked up for a couple of reasons because I love my daddy too. And because when he said that, I knew he wasn't a poser. I knew he knew my dad personally. Folks, listen to me. When you come to God the Father in the name of Jesus Christ, you're coming to him in a name that perks his ears up. Are you following me? You're coming to him in a name that he loves. Now, you can't use that name if you don't know him. It's assuming here in this text you, whether you're 12, 14, or 114, you have a relationship with God through Jesus Christ. But I want to tell you, when you have a relationship with God through Jesus Christ and you're praying to God the Father in the name of Jesus Christ, he sits up on the throne and he listens. Isn't that great? Several years ago, a Dutch artist... I think decided to want to make some money, so he created a cell phone for God. You didn't know God had a cell phone, did you? Well, He does. And within a week, a thousand people had left voicemails. I'm sure you had to pay to get on this thing, too. And it'd been interesting to hear some of those voicemails, I mean, that, what, what was said. But if you're taking notes, I want to give you God's cell number. Are you ready? Are you taking notes? You ready? J-E-S-U-S. That's the number, that's the name to connect with God the Father. Amen? Amen? That's why we pray in the name of Jesus. It's not a rope formula. It's about your relationship and about the most beautiful name to God. Here's the second question I've been asked a lot. Does God always answer our prayers? Does God always answer Your prayers, or does he always answer my prayers? I want to give you a couple of thoughts on this. The first one is no. And by this, I I don't mean that God says no. I mean that sometimes God doesn't answer your prayers. Is it possible that at some point in your life that you've been praying and that God hasn't responded at all? Absolutely. That's certainly true in my life. I've heard preachers, I've heard preachers say, "Well, God hears the prayers of a lost person, a non-Christian or the God hears the prayers of everybody. We're not talking about God hearing the prayers. We're talking about God responding to the prayers. Isaiah 59, 1 and 2 cuts to the heart of it. Look, the, 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 listen, the Lord's arm is not too weak to save you, nor is his ear too deaf to hear your call. It's your sin that have cut you off from God. Because of your sins, he has turned away and will not listen anymore. If we take the word of God seriously, that's one of a hundred passages. It's clear. Folks, and that's one thing I've tried to, to, to really communicate these last few weeks, is you've got to do God on God's terms. Not not on your terms, one of the things I've seen in the last 20 years, it's a really scary trend, is we're trying to customize God to us instead of customizing our life to God. Are you following me? We're trying to make God in our image instead of trying to make our lives more like him. Mark eleven twenty-five. it says, but when you are praying, first forgive anyone you are holding a grudge against so that your Father in heaven will forgive your sins. Folks, it, it's very possible. It's, it's very true. It's very sad that sometimes God just doesn't answer your prayers. He doesn't respond to them at all. Now, that's extremely fixable. I had a person that I love dearly from another state called me on Thursday while I was finishing this sermon. And they said, I have a friend who is a Christian. I know they're a Christian. They're away from God. They're not where they should be with God. How do they pray to get back in a right relationship with God? Here's what I told them. Here's what I would tell you. Set aside some time. Ask God to help you forgive who you need to forgive. Spend time confessing your sins. Going, being honest and real with God about the junk in your life. Tell Him to pour it out to God. And then spend some time just saying, God, here I am. I'm coming back. I want the door with you open again. I want to tell you, that's how you open back the door to God. If you're not a Christian, you open the door to God by giving your life to Him. But here's the second thing and a great thing. If you're, if you're who you should be with Christ, not perfect, but you have a relationship and you're headed in the right direction, God, will, God always answers your prayer. Isn't that great? If you have a relationship with Jesus, or you will this morning, and you are trying to live for him, not perfection, but direction, God always answered your prayers. So let me give you three ways God answers your prayers. The first is no. No, that's not a good answer, is it? How many of you like to pray and know that God's going to say no? Good, no one raised their hands. You don't like that, but no is an answer. Parents, is no an answer to your young people? Sure it is. Sure it is. Two passages in the Bible. In 2 Samuel chapter 12, King David had a little baby. And he prayed that God would heal that baby. He fasted. He pleaded with God. And the baby died. I mentioned last week, 2 Corinthians 12, Paul said, I had a terrible problem. It was probably an eye problem. He said, I prayed three times. I believe that was three lengthy seasons of prayer. And asked God to heal me. And he was not healed. Listen, sometimes you pray, I pray, we plead with God, we beg God. Maybe it's for months or years. And by the way, next week I'm going to talk about persevering in prayer to close out the series, which I think will answer some more questions, but sometimes God just says no. Lou Holtz is a famous football coach. His son Skip is the coach here at Louisiana Tech now. Lou said this, Lou said when he was young, he prayed to be a great athlete, and God didn't answer his prayer. Many of us can agree to that in our own life, that that may not have happened. He said he wanted to be a great athlete. He prayed that that would happen, and it never happened in his life. But he said what happened was is that he fell in love with football, and he spent the next 45 years after college coaching, and he got to coach at tremendous places, be a part of national championship teams. And what he said was he felt like if he would have been a great athlete, that would have probably never happened. But instead of God answering that prayer, God's no Open the door for a great big yes. Folks, that's great theology. Listen to me. When God tells you no, that's not God being mean. That's God saying, I got a lot better yes out there for you. You're going, some of you who are single, you're going, why is God not giving me that right person? Let me tell you why, because he's got somebody out there that's going to be better for you. And some of you are in a hard situation right now, and God's saying no, Hang in there. God's no always leads to a better yes. Isn't that good? God's just not being trite and mean. God knows a better yes. Here's the second way God answers prayers. He says, wait. He says, wait. This is no fun either. Timex, the watch people, did a survey of Americans to see how patient we were. I could have told them this, that we're not very patient. And they they did that. they asked people when you are behind someone at a red light the light turns green and the person in front of you does not go how long does it take before you honk and they they said the average is thirteen seconds and I said they don't live in the south that's <laughs> not thirteen seconds in Ruston is it I think it's like one point five how long does it take before you ask someone who's talking loudly and obnoxiously on their cell phone to chill down? It's like they said 40 seconds. That's crazy. At my house, it's 3.2 seconds, I guarantee you. But we're not patient. We don't wait well. But here's, listen, one, time, one way God will answer your prayers is he will say wait. He will say wait. Luke chapter 1 is a story of Zechariah and Elizabeth. Zachariah and Elizabeth are older people. They are like senior adults. They are in the senior adult group at our church. They go to Branson. They sing in the senior adult choir. I mean, these were elderly people, wonderful people, elderly people. You know, when they walked, they were, you know, they, they were elderly people, and they'd always wanted a baby, and they couldn't have a baby. And 2,000 years ago, that was a huge deal. They wrongly, in my opinion, equated that with God's favor. And so they felt like they didn't have a baby, they didn't have God's favor. And they prayed, prayed, prayed. God saying no, no, no. God wasn't saying no. God was saying wait. And then all of a sudden when they're senior adults, she shows up pregnant. That's a miracle, isn't it? And maybe a nightmare. But she shows up pregnant. And she has this baby boy and his name is John the who? John the Baptist, he is a cousin of Jesus. He is born a few months before Jesus. He's going to be the guy that sets the stage and sets the table. He's the forerunner of Jesus. Do you think God's timing was perfect in answering their prayer? Let me answer that for you. Yes, it was. God's wait is because whatever he's got down the road, he's getting you and them ready for it. And God's wait going to be a whole lot better than you forcing some door open today. Amen? God answers prayers. Yes, no, and wait. That's the last one. Yes, that's the one I love. Isn't that the one you love? When you pray and there's a miracle, Isaiah chapter 38, there's a great story of a king named Hezekiah. Hezekiah is told he's going to die. And it says he prays and he pleads with God for life. And God extends his life. Isn't that awesome? That's the stories we like. In Acts chapter 12, Peter and James had been arrested. And they behead James. What I mean by that is that's literal. That's not like some symbolic, figurative way. I mean like they put his head and they cut his head off. And you die when that happens. Well, some, I, there's, obviously, there's some people who have lived well through that through the years. We know that without a brain. But Peter's in jail, and it looks like Peter's going to die. And all the Christians, or a lot of them are in this one place, and they're praying. out. this is why I believe they had to be Baptists. They let Peter, the angel opens the door and lets Peter out. Peter doesn't even believe it. The angel has to say, get up and get out of here. Peter gets up. Peter goes to the prayer meeting where they're praying for him to deliver him. He knocks on the door. They open the door. They're praying for Peter. And it's probably like this, man, Peter, don't bother us. We're praying for you to be delivered. And the girl goes back and says, Peter's here. And they say, no, he's not. He's in prison. Remember, we're praying for him. Isn't that like us? And, and, but Peter was there. He had been delivered. Those are the kind of things we love when we pray. And it's not five years from now or it's not five months from now. That it's in the immediate future we pray and God answers our prayers. And listen, God does say yes. God does say yes. And this is our cool thing. When you have a relationship with God the Father through Jesus Christ and you're trying to live for him, not with perfection but right direction, God always answers your prayers. Taylor Swift is a country singer, and I don't know anything negative about her, but I read this story. And I thought this was sad. Someone in Tennessee, I don't know if it's near her business or her her home. A lady saw in a dumpster, I don't know if she was dumpster diving herself or what, but she saw hundreds of letters to Taylor Swift that had never been opened, thrown in the dumpster. They asked her representatives about it, and she said, well, she gets hundreds of letters a day. And I understand this This happens to me. I have to, I can't answer all the fan mail. (laughs) No, my letters are like, you're an idiot. You know, they're not. And... And she said, you know, I just can't answer all the mail. Well, you understand that, but that's still sad. Let me tell you something awesome. God's getting a lot more calls than Taylor's getting. And he's not throwing any of it in the dumpster. And that when you call to God and you know Jesus Christ, it may be a no, it may be a wait, but I want to tell you, God's honoring and hearing your prayers. I want to give you answer one last question. And and this ties in with this point, but it is a little different. And this is a really huge one. Does prayer really matter? Does it really matter? George Barna is a Christian pollster, sociologist, and he he surveyed Christians just several years back, and he asked them about different things, reading your Bible, coming to church, praying. And here's what the consensus was. I'll do it if I feel like it matters. I understand that. I mean, I don't want to go on a diet and have to eat Carrots and celery for six weeks and do two hours of cardio if I'm going to lose .02 pounds? Do you? No, you, you want it to work. You, you want it to matter. And that's the same way with prayer. So let me give you two thoughts. Does prayer really matter? And this is a tough thought. Not always. Ties back into what we were talking about earlier. If I, if, if I don't honor God's request... God's not going to honor my request. If I'm not honoring God, God's not going to honor me in that way. Psalm sixty-six, 18, a verse that you need to know, if I had not confessed the sin in my heart, the Lord would not have listened. Folks, that's, that's not a choice that we believe that verse or not. Before I was a Christian, when I got in trouble, when I needed something, I prayed to God, just like I would plead with anybody that I thought I could manipulate and help me. God wasn't honoring that request. God loved me, He wasn't honoring that request. Remember, you've got to bend your life to Christ. You don't bend Him and His Word to you. Sadly, prayer doesn't always work. There was a man, a Jewish man in Jerusalem, that was interviewed. He'd gone for 25 years every day to the Wailing Wall. We have a picture of the Wailing Wall. The Wailing Wall is really cool. When Cindy and I were over there, we got to go to the Wailing Wall. And it's divided. The women go to one place and the men go to another place. And where the men go, you you actually can get a little bit closer. And that that wall was there when Jesus was there to, to where the Holy of Holies was. And it's just, it's a neat, neat experience. And they asked this guy who for 25 years, every single day, had gone to the wailing wall. They said, What do you pray for? He said, Well, I pray for world peace. I pray for God to eradicate diseases. I pray for peace in Jerusalem. They said, How do you feel when you're at the Wailing Wall praying? And here's what he said I feel like I'm talking to a wall. I feel like I'm talking to a wall. You ever pray and feel like your prayers are hitting the ceiling? That's what he's talking about. You see, sadly, prayer doesn't always matter. But here's the great news this morning, the unbelievable great news. It sure can matter. It absolutely can matter. It ought to matter. It ought to matter 110%. In James chapter 5, verse 16 through 18, I preached a passage or sermon on this at the very beginning of the prayer series back in early January. Confess your sins to each other. Pray for each other so you may be healed. Listen to what he says. The sincere prayer of a righteous person, a sincere prayer of a person right with God. Read that last part with me. Has Don't read any more with me, please. Elijah was a human as we are. Now listen, you need to get this. And yet when he prayed earnestly, it did not rain. Rain would not fall. None fell for three and a half years. Then when he prayed again, the sky sent down rain and the earth began to yield its crop. That passage is saying everything we're trying to put in a capsule this morning. That it doesn't matter who you are, young or old. It doesn't matter... Anything about the stereotype that you come in here with this morning, it says if you're a righteous person, a person in a right relationship with God, and you're sincere, that you're just like Elijah, that he's not some super saint or super prophet, that he was a man just like us. He prayed and it didn't rain for three and a half years. He prayed again, and it rained. Your prayers can matter. Say amen. amen. It can matter. Folks, you can walk through the Bible. Here's Moses. He prays millions of people are not destroyed by God. David prayed, and he won battle after battle after battle. Elijah prayed, and it didn't rain for three and a half years. He prays again, and it rains for three and a half years. In Acts chapter 4, the disciples got together, and they prayed. And after they prayed, it said the building where they were in was shaken. Your prayers can matter. prayer The whole thing with prayer is it's designed to matter. It's designed to make a difference. You remember when I told you Jerry Falwell said, what can prayer do? Prayer can do anything God can do, and God can do everything. Your prayers can matter. I want to share with you one last story. Tony Evans is a great preacher in Dallas, Texas, and Tony Evans was getting ready to do a crusade in Columbia, South Carolina, and they were at the University of South Carolina's football stadium. It's an open-air stadium. The weather predictions were at 7 o'clock, thunderstorms were coming in. Well, the crusade started at 7, so Tony said that a group of preachers met, and somehow a couple of women snuck in there too. That's going to matter in a moment. And they began to pray about the crusade and the rain. He said the preachers were praying these sissy prayers like, Oh, God, please, if it's your will. Please help us not to get too wet. Let us be able to take up the offering at least. May we be able to sing a song. And he said, a lady named Linda stepped up. And she said, preachers, can I pray? And I mean, what are you going to say at that point? No, you can't. They said, okay, you can pray. Listen to what she said. She said, Lord, thousands of people have gathered here today to hear the good news about your son. It would be a shame on your name for us to have all these unbelievers go without the gospel when you, God, control the weather And you don't stop it. Jesus, it's in your name I come to the Father. And God, I'm asking you to address this storm. In Jesus' name, amen. Tony Evans said the preachers just kind of ducked their heads and walked out. The moderator got on stage that night and said, Well, we're going to try to stay as long as we can until the rain runs us off. Everybody began to open their umbrellas, and Linda was sitting by someone who opened an umbrella and said, Ma'am, you want to get under the umbrella with me? And she pushed him away. Nope, I sure don't. Tony Evans said it was the most incredible thing he'd ever seen. Said him and his wife watched as the thunderclouds came upon the stadium. It was pouring down rain. They got to the stadium. They went around the stadium, raining, met on the other side, raining, and not a drop fell in that stadium. Folks, I want to tell you when you know Jesus and you're going to God the Father in the name and your relationship of Jesus Christ and your heart's not perfect but it's right with God, there's power when you pray. There's power when you pray. Let's pray. This morning, if you're a Christian, I'm going to challenge you in a moment. But man, I want you to get off your seat and become the person of prayer God's called you to be. If you're not a Christian today, you need to give your life to Jesus this morning. I want to invite you where you're seated. If you're ready to do this, pray with me today and give your life to Jesus. Would you pray and say, Jesus, I'm a sinner and I want to turn from my sins. Jesus, I believe, accept that you're God's Son and that you died for me and that you came back to life for me. Jesus, come into my heart. And I surrender my life to you. Let me have your attention. Here's what we're going to ask you to do now. Maybe you just prayed and asked Christ in your heart. Are you ready to do that? You come this morning. When we stand, you come. We'll be down here waiting on you. Let us help you with that decision. Maybe you're here today and you'd like to join our church family. We would love for you to do that. We're going to be a church that's going to pray, that's going to love you and lift up Jesus. You can join after church, or you can come and join us this morning when we stand. Christian, maybe today where you're standing or at the altar, you need to get your heart right with God to where you can be in a position to have power and prayer. Maybe you want to come and pray at the altar with a minister or or pray at the altar for yourself. But where you're standing or at the altar, I plead with you, you make a commitment that you're going to be a person the rest of your life that passionately prays and prays. Let's stand. You come now as we sing.